Events of the past 12 months have once again highlighted that Australia still has a long way to go when it comes to our relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. 20 years on from the Reconciliation March of 2000, the path to reconciliation is still one that as a nation we have a long way to travel. In that spirit of reconciliation, I would like to offer my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, both past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the UX Australia podcast. I'm very happy to be joined today by Stephanie Lamont. How are you? I'm good, Steve. I'm good. How are you going? I'm very well here in what is currently sunny Sydney. Um, where, whereabouts do you join us from today? I'm joining from Melbourne, um, back in lockdown, but being optimistic that Wednesday we will be, or Wednesday, Thursday morning, I guess it is, um, we'll be free again, but fingers crossed. <laughs> now, that, that has to be a little frustrating. It, it is. I was saying um, to a colleague just before, though, I think given... Um, the weekend almost and back to work and coming out halfway through the week it almost feels like it's not that far away just hoping it doesn't extend again but set up as well because we are working from home so it's almost like well Monday night's not really out on the town anyway so it's kind of okay I guess it has um, it has that um like we, we we seem to have fallen into a little bit of a rhythm um, you know, Victoria is, this is the second sort of short, sharp lockdown um, that the government's instituted. I think WA has done um, one in a similar vein with just a few days. Queensland did one in a similar day, uh, vein for just a few days. Um, New South Wales, the last one that New South Wales embarked on was a longer one, um, and but that was also a more... Um, extensive outbreak, I guess, um, you know, popping up out in the suburbs without really clear connections. But um, I guess we, we, we seem to have, we seem to be getting into a bit of a rhythm where we're going to have a short, sharp lockdown, yeah. keep people in their homes, give the government time to contact trace, find those people who might um, need to be tested get them tested, get some results, you know, like and, and, mm. and get a handle on things, it yeah. almost feels mundane. It does. And it's almost, it, yeah, you're hearing about it more frequently as you're saying, like if it's not Melbourne this week, it's, you know, God forbid another state the next week. Um, but they seem to have kind of, um, with the contact tracing, they've gotten on top of it a lot faster. So hopefully it is just the five days because um, we've, li we've lived and learned, I guess, yeah. Now, it, it raises some interesting challenges. I mean, you know, at, at Meld Studios, we've got a, a few projects going on at the moment with teams um, working in Canberra, traveling from Melbourne and Sydney, um, not this week, you know, like the, the Melbourne teams have had to sort of rejig. It does have an impact on how we plan things and how we execute research plans broadly, doesn't it? I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you found, though, with the remote, um, I guess, being remote most of last year, that it almost improved that engagement with 
um, clients being able to, I guess, dial in from anywhere and have everybody dial in and have the same, I guess, ability to share and understand. Because I know with us, we found almost that having that barrier of being able to come in or go up to Sydney to see the team almost leveled the playing field and everybody could hear everyone correctly on, on video conferencing or see whatever was being shared easier. Um, it almost, from a, I guess, from a meeting point of view, it was great. From a research point of view, I guess it added some focus groups weren't as easy, I guess, because, you know, how many times you have those breakout conversations and um, people sort of feeling comfortable with someone in the room to feel their voice heard. You, you, you yeah. lose those nuances, I guess. But from a business point of view, I found it worked better. But from a research point of view, sometimes it, I guess it took that personal element away. Um, There's something about being able to sit with somebody yeah. in, in, in a research context that makes forming rapport mm. that much easier. Yeah. that um, allows you to give that person a sense that you are there yeah. listening, paying attention just to them, which is which is really important in, in research. There's a sense of, you know, are they really listening to me or are they, you know, checking their email while I'm answering the question? Am I really going to bear my soul to somebody who isn't, isn't necessarily paying attention um, in a way that, you know, being in a room together overcomes much more quickly but that that question around business engagement has been an interesting one where you know we very early put in a practice um of if one person was remote then everybody would be remote so that everyone and as you say like everyone had the same dynamic to deal with Mm. um and that one of the main things that we found that we had to do in those circumstances is talk to the facilitator of those meetings and ensure that they weren't reliant on nonverbal cues for people to jump in and, and, and speak, that they were actually explicitly saying, Stephanie, we haven't heard from you yet. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Steve, we haven't heard from you yet. What, what do you think about this? Um, as, as, as something that just needed to be done consciously. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's almost because um, you can find that you can just sit there and agree and nod your head and or if there's, it, it almost comes back to that, that group dynamic, yeah, like the more confident person will speak or fill the blank space if it is quiet while people are reflecting um, and it, it does give that missed opportunity for people to have a chat, um, yeah. And, and there is also that opportunity for them to also do other things, um, you know, and how do you handle things in those sessions where you know people turn off their video um you know you've you've got a bunch of participants who are sitting there on mute with their video turned off um and you're speaking at your computer it 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 does raise some some additional challenges it definitely does um and i think that was something especially at the start of um lockdown and being in that virtual area we didn't really have it was really you know fail fast almost Mm. and learn and adopt new techniques and the video thing was really hard because you don't know if someone's engaging and you'll ask steve um what do you think and oh, sorry, I wasn't listening because they're doing something else in the background. So we almost implemented, well, we did implement that um, if you're coming to the meeting, we're going to need to have your camera on if you can. If you really can't, let us know. But the reason we're doing it is so that we can see you nodding, 
we can um, see that you're engaged, you know, because you can see where people's eyes are darting. Yeah, you know when yep, someone's yep. not paying attention, that the face drops, it's like very serious almost when they're typing. So just implementing those things, similar to like, you know, calling on people in in sessions, they do have the opportunity to share, but also um, less screen sharing as well around sharing presentations unless we really needed to, just to so yeah. felt that they were in the room almost together having that conversation. Mm. And I, I, I understand, you know, with people working from home, um, the urge to listen in on a call where you're not necessarily going to be needed all the time, you know, and, and take the opportunity to wash the dishes or take the opportunity to fold the laundry or, you know, <laughs> do, do some ironing or, or whatever it might be um, and, and feel like you're participating to the extent that you really need to be for that meeting. And I know, like, in, in some cases, that's been something that we've said explicitly, you know, we're, we're going to be presenting um, if you, you know, if if you want to take the opportunity to, to fold your laundry or, um, you know, feed your kids or pet the dog or whatever it is that you might do, that's 100% fine. Um, there'll be time for questions at the end where if you could put the iron down, that'd be great. But mostly um, we understand that this is a time for you to listen. So okay to multitask, okay to do those other things. Yeah. There are other times though where you want people to be actually collaborating um, and it's very hard, you know, you go into a breakout room and there's sort of three people in a breakout room and none of them have their camera on. Um, as a collaborative environment, that's terrible. It's really hard. It is. And, and almost, you know, setting expectations up front as well. What is your role coming into the meeting, especially with the business as well? It's like, am mm. I just here to listen? Should I be note-taking? Should I be sharing? Um especially when you go to meetings and there's 15 people on a call, it's like, what is my role? Am I just here to listen? Should I mm. be sharing? Um, so you're right. So being like, you know, if you want to wash the dishes, wash the dishes, just have the have yourself on mute camera off if you need to. Go for a walk, listen in. We were doing yeah. that quite a bit. Yeah, it's um, great. Just to help with like getting people up and away from their desk so you don't feel so glued to your computer. Um, mm. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to ensure people are actually paying attention to you. Um, you know, put your headphones in, take your phone, go for a walk. Exactly, because you're, you're really that. listening and you're really activating that active listening. Yeah, it's like, mm. oh, because, you know, not concentrating on screens and folding and kids in the background, which is all fine, but it's almost like, you know, and then you're doing a bit of your mental health as well, yeah, and your yeah. body health. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you noticed a difference with, um research participants versus sort of business stakeholders when it comes to this stuff mm, i have um i found that with research participants um for it's almost been in some ways uh, we were talking before around um harder to build those sort of instant connections mm. um which, yes, I would agree with, like, you know, we might comment on someone when they come in be like, oh, you know, love your bag or whatever it is, you know, start a conversation. Um, but at home for some participants it's like you can see they jump on the call and they're a bit flustered or a bit stressed and you, you almost have a, you jump into a more deeper conversation than a superficial conversation. It's like yeah. oh, I'm having a great day today, to be honest, and mm. you start getting a sense of what's happening for them because of 
the situation that they're in, yeah. um, which you wouldn't get when they've come into a facility, I guess, or come into the office. Mm. So in that sense, it was really good. And then some, of course, it was hard to get, I guess, engagement because they are distracted and it's the same stuff you're dealing with in a work sense. And it's like, okay, mm. for this hour, can you just be focused on what we're doing here? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, Sometimes it varied. I think it just depends on the it depends on the day as well. I said I would say some days when we were just having like such a bad research day. I'm like there must be something in the air. Like everyone's distracted. <laughs> must have been a bad news day as well. Like something. you know you're almost um, yeah. And uh, there were certainly days uh, during the extended lockdown periods mm. where um, you know for the folks in Melbourne and early on pretty much nationally. Kids were out of school, um, or they would—they were, you know, sort of attending school from home. Let's put it in those terms. Um, parents uh, were trying to manage, you know, uh, kids finding places for everybody, managing, you know, Wi-Fi access for everybody, finding a quiet spot so that, you know, a teenager attending class isn't distracted by six-year-olds who want to draw at the same table, um, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. There, there was a nice recognition, though, of our shared humanity in those moments. It's just like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't mind if your child needs to grab your attention for a few minutes. I don't mind if they sit in your lap while you have, you know, like in any of those things. If they want to show us a drawing, fabulous. Let's let's do that. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be frustrated by it. All of those things are are okay. Um, and we're all going to go through them over the next few weeks. So don't don't be worried about it. And I thought that was nice. And I heard some feedback from. Um, one of uh, a colleague of mine who works in a large corporate environment um, who said they had noticed that their executives had, you know, in the first sort of couple of weeks, they were showing up on their Zoom calls in a suit and tie. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're at home, but they're in their office and they're, they're ready for business. Um, and that that over the first sort of two or three weeks of that lockdown period to March last year, March, April last year, mm -hmm. they gradually relaxed that element. Um, the ties disappeared, the jackets disappeared, um, and the start of meetings became, how's everyone doing? Mm -hmm. And, and th that question was a genuine, how, how are you really doing? Not not just a, can I have your attention? I'm about to speak. Um, but a, like a genuine, Stephanie, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, and that, that, that softening of their protocols um, has persisted and been a real, a real boon to everybody. Yeah. I completely agree. It's, um, you know, on, on all fronts on that, you, you get a better sense for the people you work with mm. um, when their kids come in or their dog, cats jumping in the background, whatever it is, mm. and you don't mind. They're, at the start, everyone was very, oh, I'm so sorry, mm -hmm. go on mute. You can see them yelling at the kids, get out of the room, whatever it is. But mm 
you almost don't mind. It's almost nice, you know, they come in and they're like, oh, yeah. hello, and you're like, hi. Yep. Um, and you're right, and people are getting more relaxed as time goes on and mm. and that start, the first new, you could almost guarantee the first five, ten minutes of a meeting was actually a conversation, how are you going, how are you really going, what's happening or yeah. updating on things you're doing around the house, like not work-related. Yep. It almost... Um, allowed to build a better bond and relationship with people i almost um i'm looking forward to because i still haven't returned to the office yeah i was going to ask mm. um i'm really looking forward to seeing how that translates back into a physical environment because i would hope um it does i mean the great thing being in research is you know you, you're already very empathetic and do care about how people are um uh, I wonder how that will translate throughout the rest of the business. It's like, how are you? How are you really going? Not just um, just busy running to the next meeting, whatever it is. Um, I'm I'm curious. I mean, you've recently changed organisations. Yeah. <laughs> how has onboarding been? How's well, that gone? It's been interesting. Um, where I was previously, I was onboarding people, and I I was really aware of. Um, the struggles, like, you know, you'd have mm. one person, you'd learn from that and you'd apply it to the next person. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you're in a corporate environment, a lot of the stuff is out of your control. I've, yes. I've worked small agency most of my career. And then being in a, a corporate environment, um, you know, you're so reliant on process and procedures yes. that, you know, you can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to go down and buy you a mouse. No. Um, it's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It has to go up the chain and whatever it is. Um, I was really fortunate with Bupa that they, they you know, the first month or two was quite difficult um, in terms mm. of, like, adapting to get people home. But once they did, they did it pretty well. Like, yeah, you know, okay. you could order the chair to be at the house before the person had even nice. started, like that type yeah, okay. of thing. Yep. Um, come in, grab a screen if you need it, whatever it was. They had sort of... We're figuring it out as they were going, but it almost sure. worked well. But coming over to ANZ, um, an even larger organisation in terms mm. of structure and, and just mm. people, like mm. um, more process. Yeah. So it's been interesting being the person onboarded versus the person onboarding. Um, and there's been technical difficulties. Like I didn't have yeah. a computer for two weeks almost um, just because of trying to get one organised after the yeah, Christmas period. And, and banking networks are not the sort of thing that you just <laughs> log into, you know. Exactly. And I like to be on a Mac and, you know, that obviously has its own set of technical setup, which, um, you know, yeah. just all these things. And, you know, I wonder would it, how different would it have been um, if I'd been in the office? Would, you know, would these things have existed? Probably maybe not to the delay in which, um, it had existed because of the situation yeah. we're in. But um, it's just hard, like, you know, being able to lean over to somebody and be like, hey, where do I find this or who do I talk to about that? That yep. is all so much more heightened and complicated when you're, you're remote. Yeah. Um, I was talking to um, some folks who run the IT desk yeah. Uh, for it's it's not a, a large corporate environment, but it's certainly a corporate environment in the property management, property development space. Um, and we were talking in August, September last year a, a, about this kind of thing. And, and onboarding was one of the big ones for them because mm -hmm. they had a very strong process in place 
whereby people, you know, would come to the IT um, team and they would be walked through their new device, you know, their laptop would be handed over to them, their phone would be handed over to them, they'd be talked through the protocols of how to log into various things, you'd be able to check their password at the same time, you'd form a little bit of a rapport between that person and the help desk, so they had a face that they knew that they could call, you know, I've got a problem, I'll call Stephanie, you know, she was the person who onboarded me into the IT, like all of that kind of stuff, can't do it. And so they had to come up with, well, if we courier a computer and a phone to your house, how do I talk you through something that you haven't been set up on yet? You know, like that just as a, how do we do all of those things? And it it created um, some, some real tensions for them around how you establish rapport, how you get people connected, um, both literally and, and figuratively and culturally um, and it, it, it did it, it did and continues to represent some struggles for them. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, I think, you know, it'll never be, you know, I, I'm typically an optimistic person, but I can't imagine a remote onboarding will ever be seamless. You know, you'd have to be doing it for such a long period of time to really know exactly. And every case is different as always, you know. Yes, you know, the, the person that's uh, something something goes completely wrong and it's like, oh, we did everything right. But, you know, you can't plan for everything. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, we're almost at a year, yeah, of yep. being mostly remote. Yeah. Um, well, uh, design research was the conference that I was on my way to host Um when the Prime Minister announced that, you know, indoor gatherings over 100 people were hereby banned and and a whole range of of other restrictions that effectively put us into lockdown. Um, I was sitting at Sydney Airport waiting to board a plane to come to Melbourne to host an in-person conference for 150 people um, and watching the television in the in the departure lounge going, oh, this is going to be different. Okay. So it is, it's, it's, it's 11 months. Um, and you would think that would be enough time to put in place some of these things. But I think one of the, one of the cultural challenges and also one of the sort of logistical challenges with corporate environments is that they are set up to be very regimented, very consistent. Um, and our homes are not, you know, as as an IT or an operational environment, our homes are not consistent, right? So it, it, it actually, I think, requires not only some operational shifts, but some cultural shifts that mm-hmm. say, that's okay. Um, you know, that inconsistency, that difference is okay, that we need to take into account that I might be perfectly willing to have my camera on and, and you to see my lounge room, but somebody else may not feel that comfortable. Um, they may be embarrassed. They may have not tidied up yet. Um, what, whatever it might be, um, they may simply not want to let their colleagues into their home. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like in, in a sense, that's what we're doing. We're inviting people into our home on a daily basis um, and not everyone's as comfortable with that as as others might be. So um, that that cultural and and philosophical shift 
for our IT departments, for our HR departments, for our operational teams um, is still coming. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right because that's exactly it. You're inviting someone into your home every mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. to see you at your best and at your worst, yeah, especially during lockdown. Like, you know, you have great days and you have, well, I know for me personally, I had terrible days. I didn't want to, and still felt too hard, especially when it was like, oh, we're extending it for another two weeks. Yes, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's it's how do you adapt. And I think you know, it's interesting the tools that, we, that I've used, Zoom and Teams mm. um, and the integration of the backgrounds, yes. um, especially when Teams yes. had that put in because that came in, yes. I think, like halfway through last year. And it almost made more people come on camera because they can, oh, I'm Block here, I'm working the beach yes. <laughs> or whatever it was. And it, it does result in some some funny moments as well. Um, and I don't there was there was a uh, video circulating over the last few days of some lawyer appearing in court in the US um, <laughs> whose, whose daughter had turned on a filter in teams that turned him into a cat um, and he was not able to turn it off. So um, good, that video. I just, and the cat looked so upset and you could hear he was distressed. It just, it all matched up so beautifully. I was like, this is a good video. <laughs> this is great. This is great and and summing up the last 12 months very, very well. It really, yeah, absolutely did. Yeah. um, mm. Well, look, on that note, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure talking with you. We look forward to hearing a lot more from you in four weeks' time or in in four weeks' time from when we're recording um, at the Design Research Conference. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Steve. It's been great to be able to chat to you this morning. Lovely. Thank you. And we will um, we will see you at the at the conference. Have a great day. You too.